the story so far. Dolan, who is aged between 9 and 13, has run away from home and some pretty awful cooking. On the way to nowhere in particular, Dolan meets a strange old man, Jimbird Flyflower, who seems to have only one of everything, and who offers to take Dolan to the moon. On their journey, they meet Ivan the Terrible, the world's worst rock guitarist, and Billy the telephone freak Perkins, another young runaway. Entering the grounds of Nasty, the National Association for Research and Scientific and Technological Investigation, they steal a rocket and are off. But something seems wrong. As the rocket gained altitude, the faces of the three of them began to look like a weird collection of those fearsome rubber masks you see in toy shops. Dolan's turned a bright shade of green. Billy went purple, but you couldn't see much of old Jimbird because of his bristly white beard. And all this was because of the pull of the Earth's gravity. This soon passed, however, and they were able to talk. The first thing Dolan said was, Here. What happened to Ivan? Did we leave him behind? No! <laughs> grinned Ivan, floating up into the cabin from behind Billy's couch. I was a bit slow getting on because of carrying my guitar. But I was right behind you. Great up here, innit? Come on, have a go! Dolan's mouth fell open in amazement. So did Billy's. But he was the first to speak. Do you get up there? He cried, as Ivan floated and bobbed around the cabin, grinning happily. Yeah, how? Echoed Dolan. Jimbird regarded the two with amusement. Me dear young friends, he smiled. Wait, well, don't you know? We're out of the Earth's gravitational field. Gravity what, Nicole Field? Queried Dolan. Jimbird sighed. Ah, <sighs> look. He said, when that apple fell on old Isaac Newton's bonds, he discovered that the Earth was like a kind of magnet. That means it attracts whatever is near it. So you weigh something down there, see, but now we're so far away from the old place that it can't attract us no more. So you don't weigh nothing now, me child. Look now, even though I'm still strapped into me couch... See how the end of me old beard's weaving about like a bit of old seaweed in the briny. And sure enough, the old white whiskers were doing exactly that. Hey! Yelled Dolan. I want to try that. So do I! Cried Billy. The next moment, they had unclipped themselves from their couches and were floating like corks in a bucket around the cabin, laughing as they played a game of tag. For whenever the one who was it touched another... He shot across the cabin and bounced painlessly off the far wall. The game was, to say the least, rudely interrupted when Dolan, who was floating face up as if in a swimming pool, felt a sharp object impart a dig in a rather personal place. Turning over in surprise, Dolan discovered Ivan's guitar bobbing in mid-air. Oh, sorry, mate, laughed Ivan. I had to take me axe out and use me case as a couch. 
All the seats were taken by the time I got on board. Me case is wedged under Billy's couch. I'll bung me axe in it right away. Yeah, you better, said Dolan. I've heard of rock bottom, but that was ridiculous. And they all laughed so much that the tears from the one eye of Jimbird, who was still strapped in, rolled off his cheek and up into the air. Meanwhile, back on the ground, at Nasty, the unfortunate civil servant who had signed for the rocket the gypsies had stolen was, to say the least, quaking at the knees. The reason for his quaking knees was one Major General Fester B. Snarkbuster, USAF, open brackets, retired, close brackets. Major General Fester B. Snarkbuster, USAF, open brackets, retired, close brackets, was a man who would make almost anyone quake. After a long and unsuccessful career, attempting to napalm small Southeast Asian countries into submission, he'd asked for a transfer from war zones, and the Pentagon had gratefully offered him to the British space programme, in view of his vast experience in sending projectiles over great distances from a safe place. So he had ended up as boss of Nasty. He was a veritable giant of a man, with huge red ears, which didn't match, a perpetual squint, which he'd acquired from a lifetime of gazing down gun sights, and which made him look as if he was forever trying to thread a needle, and a nose with very hairy nostrils, which twitched when he talked. And they were certainly twitching now. But hell, in tarnation, Lobmanson, he roared. Did that infernal rocket get off the ground? <laughs> Well, it's hard to say, Gov, said Lob Mincing. Lark's a mercy, roared Major General Fester B. Snarkbuster, USAF, open brackets, retired, close brackets, to himself. He always roared, even to himself. I swear I'll never understand what these British are saying. Beg pardon, Gov? Nothing, Lob Mincing, nothing at all. Carry on. Well, it's like this, Gov. I was just having me tea, like, and suddenly... Kabloom, Zook, Wiz, and I looked out the control window, and it, and it weren't there. Kabloom, Bloom, Zoom, Wiz? Yes, Gov. That's the noise they make, and I'll sign for that rocket. Just don't know how I'm going to balance me ledgers. Tell me, Lob Mansion, what exactly is your job at Nasty? Well... I was senior research fellow in applied physics and chemistry at Cambridge before I came here. Now I'm in charge of research and development at the Nasty Space Programme. OK, muttered Major General Fester B. Snarkbuster, USAF, open brackets, retired, close brackets, to himself at top volume. Well, I'll tell you how you're going to balance the ledger's lap, Minson. You're going to get yourself in a spare ship. You're going to take off in it. You're going to round up that runaway rocket. And you're going to bring it right back here to Nasty, where it belongs. Oh, well, I'm afraid I'm going to need a little help for that. Well, don't just stand there, Buster. Sashay your can out of here. Get your help and get yourself spaceborne. 
<sighs> right, oh, Gav. Poor old Lob Mincing. He'd never been higher than a roller coaster. And now he was being asked, nay ordered, to go charging off into outer space to catch a runaway rocket. And he didn't even know which way it had gone. Across the road from Nasty, there was a tea shop. And here he sat, over a cup of tea and a sticky bun. I say, old chap, said a clip military voice. Got a problem? What? I say I have. I've got to take a rocket into space, catch another rocket and bring them both back. Oh, you must be one of those nasty chappies. Lost a rocket, eh? Need a bit of help? Half. Then I'm your man. Flipper Pilkington's the name. Used to fly helicopters in the army. Get bringing the damn things there. Always fancied myself as an astronaut. Get a bit further off the old grind. <laughs> Not so much chance of bumping into it, eh? Eh? Can I come too? Piped a small voice from behind the counter. This came from a 15-year-old who helped out in the tea shop. His face was covered with freckles. He was renowned in the area for his perpetual grin and his formidable habit of winning every fight he had. Everybody knew him as Bratto the Wonder Boy. I'll make you tea, fry your eggs and bacon and keep your rocket clean and tidy, like a cabin boy in the old days. Lob mincing was beginning to feel better already. He didn't think Major General Fester B. Snarkbuster, USAF, open brackets, retired close brackets, would notice his odd crew. Or care, even if he did. Just as long as he got his precious rocket back. Little did Lob Mincing know what he was letting himself in for. I'm hungry, said Dolan. So am I. So am I. Chorused Ivan and Billy. Well, me friends, said Jimbird, unstrapping himself and grabbing his gnarled old crutch before it floated away. He didn't need it for support anymore, of course, but it was a useful lever for pushing himself around in his weightless condition. If you'll all just follow me into the galley, we'll see what's on the menu. And so saying, he heaved himself over to a lighted panel which said, not surprisingly, galley. There was a large illuminated button which he pressed with his one finger. A small panel slid back to reveal rows and rows of small boxes, all neatly labelled. Army mates, tis obviously food in capsule form. Takes up less space, you see. But when you swallows one, it expands in your belly and feels like you've had a genuine blowout. You takes it with a drink of water. I, uh... I reckon we have to uh, recycle the water, though. I, uh, I noticed there ain't a lot of it in yonder container. Dolan picked up a rattling box of capsules and read the label. Can you guess what it said? Fish fingers and beans. Dolan crumpled. I can't stand it. What am I going to do for food? Then Dolan remembered what was stuffed down the old cardigan front. It had been there since the child had left home. Dolan withdrew a rather flattened, 
slightly dry looking, but still very acceptable. Large, crusty bun. From the raincoat pocket came one tin corned beef and some tomatoes, also a little flat and dry. The others gathered round with interest, licking their lips. From the duffel bag came the tin opener, and the feast began. Dolan put down the tin of corned beef and the tin opener. The corned beef floated upwards. Dolan dropped the tin opener and grabbed the corned beef. The tin opener floated upwards. Eventually the situation was brought under control, with Jimbird clenching the loaf between his knee and wooden crutch and hacking pieces off with his huge jackknife, which Billy took two at a time. Billy sliced pieces of the corned beef which Dolan held and crammed them between the slices of bread, passing them out to Ivan, who squashed a tomato good and flat inside them. And thus, by inspired teamwork, with the pangs of hunger and lack of gravity conquered. Sometime later, lying replete in the control couch, Jimbird was reflecting aloud that they must, by his reckoning, be around 230,000 miles into space, when he happened to glance out of the porthole. A large white round object was charging directly at them and getting bigger by the second. Crikey, mates! It's the moon! And we're right in our path. That thing travels at 2,300 miles an hour, and she's coming straight at us. Strap yourselves in. We'll take evasive action. And the three children promptly did as they were told. As Jimbird hit a button, marked boosters, and swung the control lever hard over. They all felt a slight tug from the gravitational pull as the moon whistled by beneath them. Well, me friends, the moon missed us. And I'm afraid we've missed the moon. So it's a case of on-on for the galaxies. (laughs) 